this ninth chapter bhagwan again reveals his nature so there are these three factors which one should know one is jeeva another is jagat and the third is jagadeeshwar so jeeva jagat and jagadeeshwar these are the three seeming tatvas which are explained in all the great uh, philosophies in vedanta bhagwan ultimately reveals that these three are not actually three they are in fact one only they appear three in the beginning but ultimately we have to realize their oneness to give example of the ocean the waves one wave many waves and the ocean itself appears to be different one wave appears to be different from the other wave wave appears to be different from an ocean but the ocean all waves put together and the individual wave essentially are water alone similarly jeev jagat and jagadeeshwar are that one supreme essence the supreme reality so that uh, shastra that knowledge bhagwan is going to reveal in this chapter so he is preparing arjuna because before revealing this he wants arjuna to be all set all ready ready to receive so he says i will tell you this great knowledge which is a royal knowledge royal secret extremely pure but which can be experienced directly supremely righteous and easy to follow and imperishable so you listen to it and gain this knowledge now before revealing this knowledge bhagwan tells us what happens to those who don't have faith in this or don't have don't accept or acquire this knowledge what happens to them in the third shloka he says we'll chant ashraddhana purushaha dharmasyasya parantapa aprapyamam nivartante मृत्यु संसार वर्तमानी अश्रद्धाना पुरुषाह धर्म सेप्यमाम निवर्तंते मृत्यु संसार भगवान से हे परंतप हे अर्जुन that those who don't have those beings those people who don't have faith in this knowledge don't accept this knowledge they don't have faith in the path and in the goal which is indicated they have no faith they say though all this is wrong we don't accept it ashraddha ashraddha means lack of faith faith means trust or acceptance that it is true 
See, when somebody tells us something, we may not have experienced it directly, but we can just accept it on face value that what the person is saying is true. It's called faith. Faith is the first step. The second step is to follow that path and actually realize it. It's like somebody saying that, oh, there's a beautiful moonrise. You go out and see it. So first I have to have faith in the words of that person. Then I will go out and experience the beautiful moonrise. And when I experience, that is the fulfillment of faith. Faith itself is not knowledge. But faith is required to gain knowledge. Faith is essential to gain knowledge. Because before we have knowledge, we don't have knowledge. Simple mathematics. Before we have gained knowledge, we are ignorant. So in the state of ignorance, when somebody is giving us knowledge, we should have faith in that person. We should have faith in the words of that person. Then only we will proceed on that path. Therefore, in fourth chapter, Bhagavan says, Shraddhavan lavate jnanam. That those who have faith, they will gain knowledge. Many people remain stuck at the level of faith. They don't go towards gaining that knowledge. We say, oh, I have great faith in Bhagavad Gita. Whatever Gita says is true, that's called faith. Whatever Bhagavan Krishna says is true, is called faith. But have you practiced it? Have you experienced it yourself? No, no, I have not experienced it, but I have great faith. So that is faith, but it should culminate in knowledge, in direct experience. Then only it is fulfilled, otherwise it is incomplete. But there are those who don't even have this faith. They just don't accept the teaching. They say it is all wrong, it is not true, it is not possible. It is all false. So, this, that is called Ashraddha. In the, in the previous chapters also, in the fourth chapter, Bhagwan has said that those who don't have Shraddha, those who have Samshay, Samshay Atma Vinashyati, they totally perish. It is necessary to go into unknown, that which is unknown, we can proceed into that unknown field only with faith. If there is no faith, we remain stuck in the known. People get stuck in the known world because of that lack of faith. But uh, faith should culminate, as I said, in knowledge and in that experience. So Bhagavan says, those who don't have faith, ashraddha dhana purushaha dharmasyasya parantapa, in this dharma, in this great teaching of mine, which he calls it dharma, this knowledge of the self, this rajavidya, rajagujyam, is called dharma, the greatest of righteousness. Greatest of righteousness is to know ourself properly. Not knowing ourself creates lot of unrighteousness in the world. When I don't know myself properly as I am, I behave in adharmic way only. So, self-knowledge is considered as the greatest of all righteousness. One who is established in this self-knowledge is a very embodiment of dharma. Like the great Mahatmas, they are the very embodiment of dharma. Whatever they do, 
whatever they say, you can accept it as righteousness only. In Ramayana also it is said that whatever Bharatji, the way he behaved and the way he lived is considered as dharma because he is established in this truth, in this state of reality. But one who don't accept it, don't have faith in this dharma, Bhagavan says, they don't attain me, aprapyamam. They do not realize their own identity. They don't realize their oneness with me. They don't attain me. They don't attain the ultimate goal of their life. So, aprapyamam nivartante, they again and again come back. Where? In this samsar. Mrityu samsar vartmani. In this samsar, this samsar is uh, full of sorrow, full of pain, full of uh, all sorts of uh, fears, sadness. This is called samsar. Samsara swapna tulyohi ragadveshadi sankulaha. Shankaracharya ji says this swap, samsar is like a dream, but it has got all sorts of experiences. Bad fear, sorrows and all, like a dream. When you, are ex- when you are experiencing a bad dream, it is an experience, though it is false, but it is an experience. You cannot deny. Even after waking up, people still continue to shiver. So similarly, though this whole world is just a appearance, but our understanding of it, if it is not proper, we experience sorrow, we experience pain, we experience ourselves taking birth. So this is all samsar, taking birth and dying again and again, taking birth in some other form. This is called samsar. So Bhagwan says, one who do not have faith in this knowledge, one who do not pursue this path, one who do not gain the ultimate experience of their oneness, one who do not gain enlightenment, they again and again come in this samsar. Nivartante mrityu samsara vartmani, again and again. And it is helplessly, helplessly we are caught up in some situation and it appears to be very real. See, if you just look at people around, you will find that everyone is involved, everyone is busy, everyone is very, very serious about what is happening. Caught up in a, in a mire, caught up in a jar like. And it goes on and on and on. As a human being, we have little freedom. We have little power. We have some purushartha. We can do some purushartha. But if we are born like animal, bird, plant, no purushartha. We can't do anything. Helplessly we are there. If we are born in capital, we will have capital punishment. As an animal, bird, a tree on the road, helplessly it is there. What can it do? It has to bear with all the pollution, everything. So Bhagwan says, the if we don't gain this knowledge, what happens? And if we gain that knowledge, what will happen? He 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 shows us the both the sides. We can choose. See, in our life as a human being. We have choices and we can choose. Options are given to us and we can choose. 
A seeker is one who chooses the good. We will come to that shloka later on. A seeker is one who chooses the good. And a one who chooses the wrong thing remains in this samsara. Choice is there. Options are given. We may not have control over the options. But options come in front of us. Like our television. Ah, very good example. Like our television. So many channels are there. We don't have any control over those channels. What they will show, what program they will show, as an individual, we don't have any control. We don't even know what they will do. But we have, if we have the remote control in our hand, we have choice. We can choose one of those options, one of the channels. We can choose to increase or decrease the volume. We can choose to even shut it down. We can choose anything. It is there in our hand. Human being has got a remote control in his hand. Like somebody is using this. He has got a remote control in his hand and he can choose between, I mean, among various options. So, seeker is one who chooses the good over the pleasant. He chooses God over the worldly pleasures. And one who chooses God attains God. One who chooses world gets the world. So, Bhagwan has given us these two choices here. He says that one who chooses, it, one who doesn't choose this knowledge, again and again fall in this samsara. And one who chooses that knowledge becomes free of this samsara. He says, Moksha se ashubhat. He becomes free of all that is ashub. So after, after creating that great uh, enthusiasm and desire in uh, Arjuna's mind to gain this knowledge, now in the following two verses, Bhagwan reveals that knowledge. These two verses are like the backbone of this uh, chapter. Very important, but very subtle also. So let us try to comprehend them. Maya tatamidam sarvam jagadavyakta murtina Mathani sarvabhutani Nachaham teshvavasthitaha Maya tatamidam sarvam jagadavyakta murtina Mathani sarvabhutani Nachaham teshvavasthitaha uh, after telling and making, uh, what you call, preparing Arjuna to listen to this knowledge, now Bhagwan reveals the great secret, Raja Guisha and Raja Vidya. He says, Maya tatam idam sarvam jagat avyakta murtina. He just gives this statement. He says that by me, is pervaded this entire world. Jagat, Sarvam Jagat, this entire world, 
माया ततम ततम मीन्स परवेडेड बाय मी आई परवेड द एंटायर वर्ल्ड आई एक्जिस्ट इन द इन द वर्ल्ड इन ईच एंड एवरी पार्टिकल ऑफ दिस वर्ल्ड आई एम प्रेजेंट आई परवेड द एंटायर वर्ल्ड कंप्लीटली इन ईशावास्य उपनिषद ऑल्सो इट इज सेड ईशावास्यमिदम सर्वम यत किंच जगत क्याम जगत दैट दिस होल वर्ल्ड इज परवेडेड बाय दैट ईश्वर जस्ट एज द गोल्ड परवेड्स गोल्ड ऑर्नमेंट्स सी द कॉज परवेड्स द इफेक्ट गोल्ड ऑर्नमेंट्स आर देर देर ऑल परवेडेड बाय गोल्ड ओनली और पॉट मेड अप ऑफ मड द एंटायर पॉट इज परवेडेड बाय दैट मड इफ समन इज शोन दैट ऑब्जेक्ट हिस इज ओ इट इज अ पॉट बट इफ यू टच दैट यू आर टचिंग मड यू सी यू सी मड यू हेयर यू हेयर मड यू टेस्ट यू टेस्ट मड यू स्मेल यू स्मेल मड बट वी कॉल इट पॉट If suppose a person is blindfolded and just given a little bit to taste that pot, he will say it's mud. Then uh, smell it's mud. And if he is given some other mud, also he says, oh, it's mud. So when he opens his eyes, then he says, this is a pot and that is mud. The entire pot is pervaded by mud because mud is the cause of that pot. Similarly. this entire cosmos is pervaded by that supreme reality maya tatam idam it is present in each and everything of this world each and every being god is present everywhere we hear this statement and we we say it also all the time who oh, i don't see him anywhere he says avyakta murti na this is very important Bhagwan says, "I pervade the world in my unmanifest form." Means, I pervade the world. I exist in the world, but you cannot see me, you cannot hear me, you cannot taste me, you cannot touch me, because I am avyakta. Avyakta means unmanifest. Avyakta means that which is beyond the comprehension of our senses, our mind. our intellect it it cannot comprehend it it cannot touch it see the eyes can only see like human eye we can only see a limited uh, range of colors limited frequency beyond ultraviolet and or infrared we can't see we can see only within a particular range that's the limitation of our eyes but even with the best of equipment we cannot see god god is not someone who can be seen through the eyes because he is the very source very essence behind the eyes also our pujya gurudev used to give beautiful example like a torch a flashlight with batteries inside you switch it on and you can see in the dark room also so father goes to the dark room along with his son and he looks around for a particular object then the son asks 
that how this whole uh, light, uh, how that light comes into this bulb? What illumines this bulb? Father says there are batteries inside. The son says, I want to see those batteries in the dark room. Father says, okay. So when he removes those batteries, the light goes away. When he puts the battery on, the lights come. With that light, he cannot see the battery. Because it's the very source of that light. Similarly, God or that pure consciousness is the very source of our senses, our mind, our intellect. It is the supreme self. With that senses and mind we cannot see. So Bhagwan says here that I exist in this world in my unmanifest form. I cannot be seen. A vector. In, in Ramayana also, Tulsidadji says that Hari Vyapak Sarvatra Samana. Hari is Vyapak Sarvatra Samana. There he adds one line, Premate Pragata Hoi Mai Jana. He says when we have love, we can comprehend, we can experience God. But otherwise, he is unmanifest. He is there, but cannot be seen. He is there, but cannot be touched. Nice, no? Our God. Like him? It's very good. Now what happens to all the Nariyal I offer to him? He cannot, you, you can touch it, you give it, but he, he cannot, it cannot, I mean, it doesn't touch God. What we offer doesn't touch him physically. Even the light which we show to Bhagwan, it doesn't touch him. Even the sun's light doesn't reach, even the moon's light doesn't reach, because he is the one because of his light only all these objects, they have light in them. So that is the nature of God. This is one, one first statement. Huh? There are four statements. This is the first statement. We will understand all the four separately and then try to understand them together. If you understand these four, then you understand what is said in Bhagavad Gita, the essence. Huh? So, maya tatamidam sarvam jagad avyakta murtina. And therefore, Bhagwan has said that you should have faith because what I will say may appear totally unbelievable. He was sitting there in the chariot. Arjuna could see him. Arjuna knew when he was born and who his parents and he knew his childhood friends also and the little stories which he had heard about him and how he used to steal butter and all. And here he is sitting in the chariot and he is saying that I pervade the entire world. World is not this earth, huh? World includes the entire cosmos. World means all that is experienced as this, this, this is called world. What I experience as different from me, Huh? What I experience through my senses, through my mind, through my intellect, all this is called world. So the entire cosmos, the, all the galaxies, all the stars, all the beings, 
in the waking state, then everything, whatever we experience in our dream, that is also world. Our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, also part of world. Our past, our future, everything is world. It's called Jagat. That word Jagat is also very interesting. Ja means that which is born, Jayate. Ga means Gachati, it keeps on changing. And Ta means Tishthati Iva, as though it remains, but it constantly changes. It is born, it, it constantly changes, and then it perishes. Then again it is born, again it changes, again it perishes. So this world which we experience, Bhagavan says, I exist in this world in my unmanifest form. Oh, very good. What else? What else you want to tell us? Please tell. Bhagwan now gives another statement. Very important. He says that Matsthani Sarva Bhutani. Really, Arjuna, I said that I pervade this world, but little I want to change the statement. I want to modify it little bit now, because you have understood this much, so let me take you a step ahead. See, this is the style of Vedanta. That it starts with a simple statement. Once it is comprehended, it takes you slightly at a higher level. So first understanding we should have is that this world which we experience is pervaded by God. God is present in the world. But second stage of understanding is that world is present in God. The world exists in God. It's not that world is a large thing and God is existing. No doubt God pervades the entire world. But the world exists in God. World depends on God. The existence of the world, the existence of all being depends on God, depends on that supreme reality. It's like, again, to give example of the gold ornaments. When we look at the gold ornaments, a person who doesn't know what is gold, and he can see the gold ornaments, that person is told, that gold is that which pervades all these ornaments. But the second stage is, the ornaments exist in gold. Gold is independent. Gold can exist without the ornaments. But ornaments cannot exist without gold. The world cannot exist without God. God can exist without world. Reality can exist without world, but the world cannot exist without God. So, Matsthani Sarva Bhutani, all these beings, right from Brahmaji to a tiny little ant, all beings and all that exist, they exist in me. Their very essence is me. Their self is me. We say this exists, this exists. We say this mic exists, the book exists. That existence in this mic and existence in that book is that God. 
He is the very existence behind all the objects of this world. So, Matsthani Sarvabhutani, all beings exist in me. Is it clear? Should we go one step ahead? Yes. Third, Bhagwan says that I don't exist in them. Nachaham Teshu Avasthitaha. I don't exist in this world. Are Just now you said you exist in this world. He says that I don't exist in the world means I don't, my existence doesn't depend on the world. I am subtler than this world. My presence is there in this world, but my existence doesn't depend on the world. Therefore, I do not exist I do not depend on this world. This is a very subtle point which Bhagwan makes here. For example, we see uh, the, again to take the example of the ocean. The entire ocean is pervaded by water. All the waves are pervaded by water. One can say the water pervades all the waves. But the second statement will be, that the waves exist in water. A third statement will be, water do not exist in wave. Means water doesn't depend on wave. Water can exist without waves. Like this water here. No waves. So water can exist without waves. But not a single wave can exist without water. So what waves depend on water. But water doesn't depend on waves. That is the meaning of this statement. Bhagwan says, all beings exist in me, but I don't exist in them. Means I don't depend on them. I don't depend on this world for my existence. Is it clear? These three statements. So, mayap tatamidam sarvam. The first statement is that I am present in this whole world, entire world, in my unmanifest form. Means I cannot be seen, I cannot be heard, I cannot be tasted, but I am present in this world. First statement. Second statement, the world exists in me. Third statement, I don't exist in the world. In the sense, I don't depend on the world. Clear? Now the Fourth statement is so powerful, therefore Bhagwan has taken up another shloka for that. So be ready for it. Nachamasthani Bhutani Pashame Yoga Maishwaram Bhuta Brhannacha Bhutasthaha Mamatma Bhuta Bhavanaha Nachamasthani Bhutani Pashame Yoga Maishwaram Bhuta Brannacha Bhutasthaha Mamatma Bhuta Bhavanaha He says, fourth Powerful statement. Bhagwan says, Nachamasthani Bhutani. In fact, in my real nature, there are no 
beings, there is no world. In my real nature, as I am, there is no world. World is just an appearance on me. Actually, there is no world in me. This is a very powerful uh, statement. This is what we mean by God. Bhagwan has revealed his nature here. He says, in my essential nature, there is no world. I alone am. And Pashyame Yoga Maishwaram, Bhagwan said, this is, hey Arjuna, look at this, my great Aishwarya, my great Yoga. Hmm, this is my great Yoga. So, let us try to understand this four statement again. This four are like four stages of a spiritual evolution also. When we as, as sincere seeker, when we walk this path, we will have to cross these four stages. The fourth is the ultimate. The first stage is when we are just aware of this world. So when we are totally aware of the world only, we have to understand that there is we have to understand the presence of God in this world. When a seeker understands that this whole world is pervaded by God, that God is present in this world, that is, his, he has begun his spiritual journey. This world which we see is not just inert. This world which we see is not something uh, bad. It is not something... Uh, Wrong. It is all pervaded by that one supreme divinity alone. There is nothing in this world which is non-divine. Everything, every person, every particle is pervaded by that supreme divinity. The presence of God is there everywhere. It's like you see a movie on a screen. The entire movie is supported by the screen. Whether the movie is good or bad or very bad, the entire movie is supported by the screen. Wherever you touch, suppose you are allowed to go and touch the screen. In the good old days, they had, when they used to show some uh, uh, movies of devatas and gods and all, people used to do arti also. They used to go on the stage there and do arti. Santoshi Mata arti or some other arti they will do. And suddenly the bijli will go and they will be just faced with a parda only. No Santoshi Mata, no nothing. Then suddenly bijli will come and again that, again you can do arti. So the entire movie which we see is supported by that screen, is pervaded by the screen. The large sky which we see, or a tiny little ant which we see in the movie, or the fast moving vehicle which we see, or just a mountain steady, all of them are pervaded by the screen. But when we are looking at the movie, we don't see the screen. Very strange. The entire movie is seen on the screen, but we don't see the screen. If somebody is told, as a child, okay, 
that there is a screen behind, white and all, he will not believe. He says, no, no, hero is there, he is running. Or little Krishna is there, or Hanumanji is there. Nowadays, this all cartoon films come. So they will say, oh, is Hanumanji flying? So when we are totally aware of the movie, and the movie is going on with all its color, music, drama, we are not aware of the screen. Somebody tells us that this entire movie is pervaded by the screen. The, it becomes a meaningless statement. We may not understand, but it is true. But then the next statement is the movie is supported by the screen. If the screen falls, the movie disappears. I remember in our childhood, in uh, when I was in Mumbai, during Ganesh Chaturthi, they used to show movies on, on societies and other places and all. And they used to put a big parda in between the two buildings and all. Bada parda laga ki ekdam pura, what you call the projector and all they will bring and show the movie. One side you will find him shaking the hand with his right hand and another with his left hand. One can see from both the sides of the screen. So the movie is going on, everyone is totally engrossed in it. Kitane admi the. And that everyone is this. Is. <laughs> the whole scene is that. And always some people get annoyed with this movie, this, that and all. And their screen is tied in their balcony. <laughs> in four balconies the screen is tied. So four of them decide, Ki, let us untie this. So when the scene is going on, suddenly they untie. And when he is asking, Ab tera kya hoga? And suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> the, entire, the entire screen comes down and nobody is there. Neither the gabbar nor anybody, nothing is there. And big noise, big chaos, everywhere, kya hoga, kya hoga. Then again they raise the screen, again those everyone appears. So, the movie depends on the screen. The screen doesn't depend. The, the screen exists independent of the movie. After the everything is over, somebody wraps it up and takes it home. It exists independent of the movie. God is like the screen. I mean, it's a very bad example, but what to do? It's like the screen. When one is aware of the movie, one is not aware of the screen. But when he is told that this entire movie is pervaded by the screen, this statement is true. Another statement, the entire movie depends on the screen. That is also true. Third statement, the entire, uh, what you call, the screen doesn't depend on the movie. That is also true. And the fourth statement, the screen is independent of that movie. After the whole movie is over, you go and check the screen. There is no hero, there is no heroine, nothing is there. It is pure white. No dialogues, no music, no drama. It is just plain white cloth. Nothing is there. That is the truth. That is the reality. Our own self, what we call self, what we call God, or what we call the essence of this world, is the screen. And the whole world and all this samsara and all is the drama which is happening on the screen. It's just a drama. 
for that and this drama is created by this what we call maya which is which is individually the is like our mind it's all projected by the mind by the thoughts the whole drama is projected by the thoughts just like on our computer screen the entire drama is projected by all those bytes and bits and all those electrons similarly this whole drama is projected by the mind so the first step in the spiritual journey is to accept and understand that god that supreme reality pervades the entire world he is there in me he is there in you he is there everywhere in his unmanifest form that is the first understanding ki x don't don't consider god as limited to a place limited to a time limited to a form the a, a spiritual understanding is god is not limited by space time concept he pervades everything if we say no he is there only in vrindavan he is there only in haridwar he is there only in uh, rishikesh then it's limited he is there in rishikesh also he is there in karolbag also and patpatganj also everywhere he is there he is not limited by form he is there as krishna he is there as rama he is there as the whole world he is there in all forms he is there as a tiny little ant also one can worship god as an ant one can worship god as a tree as a bird as a mountain as a river he is there everywhere he is he he is she he is it one mean you should not fight because of that gender and all so that is the first understanding the second understanding or second stage of understanding is when we understand that the world is in god we exist in that divinity not that divinity exist in in this world but world exist in divinity that divinity is so vast so subtle and this world is like a tiny little thing which exist in it it's like the vast ocean what we know and see as a ocean is only the surface of the ocean the surface of the ocean is seen with all the millions of waves but if you go deeper there are no waves but there is water alone and it goes on and on you can go down and it's all water 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 alone so this vast world exists only in one part as though of that supreme reality hmm eta vanasya mahima ato jayagamscha purushah in purusha suktam it is said this whole world is just a glory of that lord he is much more than this world beyond our entire comprehension so when we progress on our spiritual journey the second stage is when we understand that world myself my body my mind everything exists in god i am sitting in the lap of god i exist everything exists in god everything is supported by that supreme divinity 
that is the second stage of understanding it's very subtle as we continue on our journey the third stage is when we understand that god is independent of this world for the existence of god world is not required god is beyond even when the world goes into a stage of uh, unmanifestation when everything is dissolved that god that supreme reality remains even when everything comes to us what you call annihilated that supreme reality remain untouched unaffected like the rope and the snake again that example huh i won't leave that example so the rope appears like the snake the entire again this four statement the entire rope i mean the entire snake is pervaded by rope in his unmanifest form the snake depends on the rope but the existence of the rope doesn't depend on the snake even when the snake is not there the rope exists in fact in the rope there is no snake that is the fourth level of understanding that in that supreme reality there is no world as separate that supreme reality alone is again we take the example of the ocean now you see millions and millions of waves in the ocean when we look at the ocean we see lot of waves now just imagine this requires little bit of imagination just imagine that you are a wave so when you look around you see lots of waves around you now second little subtler imagination are you ready now imagine that you are water imagine that you are water and you look around you will not see a single wave you will only see water because i will see water as water you will not see a wave it's very interesting if i look at the whole ocean as water when what you what others say oh wave is rising i look at it as water only i am water only when there is falling water everything is water this water alone is as water you will not see experience the presence of wave similarly when we do not know our real nature we experience the differences in this world but when we come to comprehend our real nature when we reach the stage of enlightenment we will experience that i alone am that supreme reality alone is other than that nothing is there there is no such thing called world separate from me there is no such thing called other being separate from me i alone am this is the stage of enlightenment when a person realizes that that i am that pure existence and as pure existence i alone am there is nothing other than me only when there is a very when there is non apprehension or when non enlightenment in that stage we see differences but once a person gains that state of enlightenment all differences disappear 
So in this final statement, Bhagavan is talking about that final state of enlightenment, wherein he says, Nachamasthani Bhutani, in me there are no beings. I alone am. So Nachamasthani Bhutani, Pashame Yogameshwaram, this is Bhagavan's great yoga. That Bhuta Brut Nachabhutastaha Mamatma Bhuta Bhavanaha. He says that though I am nourishing the entire world. Though I am taking care of all the beings, I am nourishing all of them. Nourishing means they exist because of me. They are nourished. They, their very presence is because of me. And I also project this whole world. But really speaking, it doesn't exist in me and I don't depend on it. This is the this is the great teaching. This is called Vedanta, the great teaching. And this is not a philosophy. See, the word philosophy we use in our Sanskrit literature, the word philosophy is not used. The word is used is darshana. Darshana means vision. This is a vision. Philosophy is, uh, I think, uh, the meaning is love of uh, knowledge or something. But the scriptures, when we talk about uh, Vedanta, when we talk about Upanishad, they give us vision, how to look at your own self, how to look at this world, how to look at God. So when we contemplate on it, meditate on it, and slowly and steadily when we drop all that misunderstanding, all that which we have accepted as false, when we drop it, we, we attain that state of enlightenment, wherein we come to realize that I alone am there. There is nothing. Like in 7th chapter, Bhagavan has revealed his nature. He says, that there is nothing other than me, greater than me, inferior to me. Nothing is there. I alone am. This may sound very difficult or may sound totally unbelievable. Therefore, Bhagavan had uh, said that you should have faith and should not try to find fault in it. Accept it first as a true statement and contemplate on it, follow this path of contemplation, slowly all that is false will get dropped, and the real will shine forth. It is like a, a sculpt, sculptor, sculptor, yes, who, who on, in a block of stone, he sees a beautiful image, let us say of Krishna, he brings a block of stone, maybe a marble or yeah, some other stone, and it's there. And you also go and look at that stone, and this great artist also looks at it. And he tells you, he has a great smile on his face, he says, see, beautiful Krishna is looking at me smiling. I think in my mind, this fellow, I thought he was crazy, but now it's confirmed. But he can see Krishna. Why? Because he is seeing without all the extra luggage on Krishna. 
on all he has removed all non krishna from the stone and he is seeing krishna but i have not removed the non krishna so when he works on that stone he removes all that is not krishna he doesn't create krishna he removes every bit of the stone which is not krishna the more he removes the more the krishna appears and the finest little thin layer of non krishna is there that also he removes and krishna starts shining and the smile comes on his face and you can see the kadamba vriksha behind him you can see the cow cows or cow calf huh? a beautiful smile on his face playing the murli the entire image comes out where was it it was hidden so what did the sculptor do he just removed what was not krishna he did not create krishna similarly what does vedanta do it removes all your misunderstanding all your mis wrong notions about yourself about the world it doesn't create god god is there it just removes our notion wrong notion about ourselves and the world and god reveals himself it's like the clouds which have come in between the sun when a cloud moves the sun shines forth by itself for the sun to shine it doesn't require any other light similarly through the study of the scriptures by following the path shown by bhagwan sri krishna all the misunderstanding all false notions start dropping one by one and when the last final thing is dropped one comes to comprehend oneself as that brahma aham brahmasmi chidanandarupa shivoham shivoham mano buddhyahankara chittaninaham na ca shrotra jivve na ca ghrana netre na ca vyoma bhumirna tejo na vayuhu chidanandarupa shivoham shivoham na ca na ca na ca when we negate all that i am not what remains is that shivoham shivoham chidanandarupa shivoham shivoham so here in these two verses they are very important verses but requires lot of contemplation bhagwan reveals his real nature and his relationship with the world and relationship with all individuals so he exists suppose i look at myself he exists he pervades me i consider myself as this body and all so he pervades god pervades me that is the first understanding second is that i depend on god not that god is there in me but i am in god many people say mere andar bhagwan hai main bada hu bhagwan andar baithe hue hai so we always consider bhagwan as little bit somewhere in the heart or somewhere in the uh, chakras or something he is not chakram to sit in the chakras but we feel yeah bhagwan wahan baithe hue hai main khad pe bada hota hu bhagwan ko zyada sir jagah milti ghumne ke liye so we should understand i exist in god then god is independent of my existence i means this ego even when the ego gets dissolved god's existence remains and in god 
there is no I, there is no ego, there is no body, there is no mind. God alone is. So, bhuta bhrinna cha bhutastaha mamatma bhuta bhavanaha. In order to make us uh, understand what Bhagwan has said in these two verses, Bhagwan gives a beautiful example in the sixth verse. Yatha kashasthito nityam Vayusarvatra gomahan Tatha sarvani bhutani Masthanityupadharaya Yatha kashastito nityam Vayusarvatra gomahan Tatha sarvani bhutani Mathanityapadharaya. Bhagwan says, you understand this with the example of this Akash. Yatha Akasha stito nityam vayut sarvatra go mahan. Just as in Akash in space exist vayu, the air, the nityam, always the air exist in this space in the same way just as air exists in space in the same way all beings exist in me see uh, when we look around this whole space in which we are our body is there is also pervaded by the air we may not be able to Maybe to make this example more clear, we can take the example of clouds. Hmm. At least clouds you can see, air you can't see. But we can experience and we, we breathe and we, we feel it. So just take that example of clouds. Clouds existing in, in space. Just as clouds exist in space, the entire creation with all beings exist in God. God is like space and the entire creation is like clouds. You and me are like droplets in that clouds. Sometimes you see the whole sky very clear. But sky is still there. Sky is clear. Then suddenly the clouds appear in the sky. It exists for some time. It moves here and there. It takes different form and different shape. Many times we can see the great, uh, different images in those clouds. Little children, they can see a big drama in the cloud. They say, oh, this elephant is running and that is chasing the deer and this, uh, what you call, tiger is there and he's jumping and all. And you look, you don't see anything. So the clouds appear in space exist in space and again disappear in space. This is a beautiful example. So Bhagwan, whatever he said in the previous two verses, we can understand with the help of this example. So when we look at the clouds, really speaking, the space pervades that cloud. Space, you know what is the nature of space? Can you see space? We can't see space. 
कैन यू टच स्पेस वी कॉन्ट टच स्पेस वी कॉन्ट स्मेल स्पेस वी कॉन्ट हियर स्पेस एंड इन स्पेस वेन देर इज साउंड वी कैन हियर वी कॉन्ट हियर इस स्पेस इज वेरी सटल बट गॉड इज सटलर देन स्पेस हियर इज जस्ट गिविंग दैट एग्जाम्पल ऑफ स्पेस सो स्पेस परवेड्स द क्लाउड्स इन इट्स अनमेनिफेस्ट फॉर्म वी डोंट सी द स्पेस बट इट इज देयर इन एंड थ्रू द क्लाउड्स द क्लाउड्स एग्जिस्ट इन स्पेस but the space do not exist in cloud the space doesn't depend on the clouds and in pure space there are no clouds so this is a beautiful example for it can help us in our meditation so just you have to imagine that supreme reality as space and all of us and the entire creation is just appearing in it like the clouds it is sustained by the space and again dissolves into space all the variety is just in the cloud not in space good and bad ugly and all we talk about the clouds speed or it is slow we talk about clouds but in space there is no speed there is no shape there is no sound there is no color it is beyond all so one has to understand god as space there is one beautiful temple i think in south where god is worshiped as space chidambaram god is worshiped as space that is the subtlest expression of god as space space is just a symbol or the image of god god is subtler than space also but it is the closest so when we talk about god we say that he is chid roop consciousness but we also call him chidakash roop he is like conscious space this space which we experience is jada is inert but god is conscious space this whole topic might appear very heavy huh? slowly it will become little lighter as we go ahead so don't give up oh thank you i was thinking of giving it up so you continue because here this topic is taken up because bhagwan will tell us about bhakti about love and love for god and we will understand if we know what is the meaning of god otherwise in the name of loving god we must be loving someone else only in fact it happens like that oh i love god so much where is your god I, i will show you in my pocket is there then somebody steals that pocket uh, or that purse and all mere bhagwan ko kisne chori karke le gaye bhagwan has gone our love for god might be a love for an imaginary god is like someone saying that uh, someone um, like um, someone says oh i love your son hmm but have you seen him no have you seen his photograph no but i love so it must be he must be loving some imaginary but if he says he loves then he should know who he is where he is how he is then only you can say he loves hmm so therefore this topic is very important that before we discuss about bhakti 
we should know which god we should worship which god we are praying to which god we are surrendering to which god is my own nature which god i am one with so yathakashasthito nityam vayus sarvatra go mahan like the vayu pervading the uh, akash bhagwan se sarvani bhutani masthani ti upadharaya you understand all these beings are existing in me now further bhagwan says sarvabhutani kaunteya प्रकृतिम जानते मामिकाम कल्पक्षये पुनस्तानी कल्पादव विश्रुजाम्यहम सर्वभूतानि काउंतेय Ah, Bhagwan says, "All these beings exist in me. I am like space, and all these beings exist in me like air, or like as as clouds. But uh, sometimes these clouds exist and then just dissolves into space. So even when the cloud dissolves into space, it is potentially there, but it is dissolved. Nee? Potentially, it is there." the moisture is there but it is almost dissolved then when the climate and all changes suddenly it again appears it's very nowadays also you find one day it's very sunny and some other day it is quite funny all the clouds start coming from somewhere and the sun doesn't appear so where does the where do they go they are there clouds are there in space so here bhagwan is telling us that all these beings they are born through my prakriti my nature which was revealed in the seventh chapter they exist in my nature and again merge back into my nature sarvabhutani kaunteya he kaunteya sarvabhutani all the beings right from brahma ji to a tiny little ant all beings प्रकृतिम जानति मामिकाम कल्पक्षय एट द एंड ऑफ कल्प यर कल्प इज नॉट वन डे ऑफ ब्रह्मा जी वी हैड सीन इन द एथ चैप्टर वन डे ऑफ ब्रह्मा जी इज ऑल्सो कॉल्ड कल्प एंड वी हैव सीन द पीरियड ऑफ वन डे ऑफ ब्रह्मा जी यू रिमेम्बर एनीबडी रिमेम्बर्स वन डे ऑफ ब्रह्मा जी इज इक्वेलेंट टू हाउ मेनी चतुर्युगस 1000 plus 1000 2000 chaturyugas are one complete day of brahma day and night ahoratri it is called 2000 chaturyugas chaturyugas means all four yugas put together they are 43 lakhs 20000 years human years is one chaturyuga that multiplied by 2000 is one day and night of brahma ji you calculate huh? last time i had done and even now i have little headache because of that <laughs> so now you calculate but this um, ha huh, 
there it was said that after every after the day of brahma ji is over the entire creation goes into unmanifest means it brahma ji goes to sleep and then again it is projected by brahma ji then again he goes to sleep then again it is projected what in uh, science we call it as a pulsating universe the entire universe goes into an unmanifest state and again it is projected science think uh, considers that everything goes into one some sort of point singularity and again it's with a big bang again it's projected it's a pulsating sort of universe but this pulsating universe also comes to an end it is said that brahma ji also has got his own time scale his life span brahma ji's life span is 100 years of brahma ji one day of brahma ji is calculated 2000 this chaturyugas 360 days of brahma ji is equal to one year of brahma ji 360 days that multiplied by 100 years 100 i think so me yeah is one life span of brahma ji just imagine it is it is one cannot imagine that figure but that is considered as one life span of brahma ji when one life span of brahma ji is over the entire creation goes into total unmanifestation even brahma ji is dissolved into that supreme prakriti brahma ji also gets dissolved and when the new creation happens a new brahma ji a new being or a new brahma ji uh, is appointed hmm. so here when bhagwan is talking about this kalpa he is talking about the end of brahma ji's uh, span also life span so when entire cosmos and entire all the beings and all the devatas everyone gets dissolved into bhagwan's prakriti in that prakriti of that supreme reality this is very difficult to comprehend this concept but it's the fact so sarva bhutani kaunteya prakritim yanti mamikam all of them they merge into me when kalpakshay at the end of brahma ji's life span and punastani kalpado and then again when the new creation happens it i only uh, project the entire thing everything is projected by my prakriti so sarva bhutani konte again to give the example of this clouds and space you see a clear sky then in that clear sky suddenly appears a cloud it exists for some time and then again it merges and when it merges the shape the size everything merges into that into that space but then after some time again it appears similarly the scriptures talk about this entire creation with all the lokas many many worlds which are there all of them go into a state of unmanifestation oh, is it that 2012 and all no 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 
that is just a gimmick this is something which is at the end of brahmaji's lifespan you don't have to we don't have to worry about it but this is meant to make us comprehend and understand the vastness of this creation the vastness of time eternity of time which is mentioned and all of them are just a drop in that great supreme reality which is your nature the scripture is trying to tell you that you are so vast and so unthinkable and beyond all all comprehension that is your real nature even the world which we are so much attached and all is totally insignificant it is not lasting entire cosmos even the great devatas brahma vishnu mahesh and all those devatas indra varun kubera and so many forces of nature all of them get dissolved nothing exists there is no time no power no energy nothing is there zero as in science this is singularity all the laws of physics get dissolved there there is no gravity there is no other law nothing is there everything get dissolved and when new creation start maybe a new law may also come up maybe something different from laws of gravity maybe different from laws of uh, electricity and light and all a new sort of creation might come because it's just a appearance how it will appear we don't know like when i dream one particular dream it appears very logical and very nice but it might be very is fantastic like i might be flying in my dream but there i might not find it very strange then i again wake up go to sleep and entirely new dream happens same dream may not come mulla nasruddin he dreamt and he was offered a rasagulla but he said no today my upwas is there and he woke up and he said are baap re aaj to monday hai aaj to kha sakte hai मेरा तो जुम्मे के दिन होता है अगेन ही वेंट टू स्लीप बट दैट सेम ड्रीम डिड नॉट कम सेम ड्रीम ही वॉज वेरी फ्रस्ट्रेटेड एनी वे डिट नॉट गो इन टू डिटेल्स अबाउट मुल्ला नसरुद्दीन बट दिस वर्ल्ड विच वी एक्सपीरियंस एट प्रेजेंट वी आर एक्सपीरियंस इट इट हैज गॉट इट्स ओन लॉज इट ओन्स रूल्स Ah, but when it dissolves and new world comes, it might have totally different laws and different rules, different science, different physics. Maybe two plus two might not be four in that world. So you don't worry if you don't understand mathematics, <laughs> or you understand it wrongly. It might be right in the other world. सर्वभूतानि कौनते प्रकृतिम जानति मामिकाम कल्पक्षे पुनस्तानि कल्पादो विश्रुजाम्य हम सो दिस प्रकृति व्हाट भगवान इज टॉकिंग अबाउट इज व्हाट ही हैड सेड इन द सेवेंथ चैप्टर दिस अष्टधा प्रकृति आकाश वायु अग्नि जल पृथ्वी एंड मनो बुद्धि एंड अहंकार एंड ऑल्सो दैट परा प्रकृति एवरीथिंग एक्चुअली मर्जिस इन दिस प्रकृति all this variety of beings and variety of forms and after a certain other period again it is projected everything is projected more about this we will see
in our class tomorrow now you please uh, remain seated close your eyes and just meditate on what you have heard today we'll chant om and then meditate on whatever you have heard you have you remember just take a one thought that the entire creation entire world is pervaded by god my body mind intellect the world around me all beings around me in all of them there is presence of god 